Priscilla. We have Bruce live in the locker room and Tallahassee celebrating on the field with the floor scene. <laughs> and, and I don't know why. Like, we were able to run the ball so well in the first half, to, especially to the left side. And then all of a sudden, we started to abandon it. And like I said, it, there is some inconsistency. How are they going to approach this game? How are they going to beat this Florida State team? Well, we're going to break you guys. Um, and, and okay, I, that's it. The show is over. In, 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 in the story, we're going to break you guys. Look, and, and I, I'm joking, but it's Lord, the climb, the climb continues, KB. Oh my okay. God! I am sweating. I am... Look, look at my heart. Look, I, I, look, I, I, look, look, look. You know what? Yeah, I, I have so much to say. All right, welcome back to Seminole Sideline 365. Thank you for coming in. Tonight, it's just going to be me. The old man is somewhere traveling. I don't know where he is, uh, but it's a, it's been a busy week. Some uh, interesting news came out, and uh, I felt like I had to discuss it. A lot of fans, I, I got on Twitter late tonight, got off work late, and saw a lot of people reacting to it. So I, I thought I'd give my two cents and give y'all a, uh, a place to vent as well with the I, I shouldn't say vent. I don't know if vent is the right word, but a place to uh, voice your thoughts with the word of these contract extensions uh, that Florida State has given their staff. Uh, that news broke, uh, I believe, earlier this afternoon. Uh, apparently, this happened in December, but uh, the public uh, records request by, I believe, 24-7 Sports is what made it live. Uh, so now it's now it's uh, it's out there, and everyone is aware of it now. Um, and, and people have been reacting to it, right? And, and do, does the staff deserve a uh, an extension? Did, did these coaches deserve uh, to get this? So so we'll discuss that. We'll get your thoughts on that because I think there is a lot of conflicting responses to this. A lot of people are kind of pissed that, that did coaches uh, that are underperforming in terms of recruiting, did they deserve to be extended and get more money and be here for another two years? And um, did did Norvell need to make some changes in this offseason? So that's going to be a big topic this night, and, and I want to get your all thoughts and your comments and questions about that. Um, and then we'll talk about recruiting. Uh, it's, we've gotten some visitors already today and this week because, um, as we all know, this team needs to bring in some more talent, especially in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, linebacking, core. We even got some skill positions that are looking to be filled uh, on the wide right, right receiver position, running back position. Florida State's looking to fill some, some positions, and they're bringing some guys in finally. And we hope to get some commitments pop this weekend. That Well, that's my hope, at least. So, uh, And I think that's probably your hope, too. So we'll discuss that. And then we'll see what other news is popping around college football and go into that. So uh, Peter already says we're good. Pete, I, I I think I can agree with you on some areas. The area, well, let's dive right into it. Let's dive right into it because uh, I, I think uh, there's going to be mixed reactions on this. But um, let, let's dive right into the topic now. So as it broke, and I was going to bring up the article here, uh, basically everyone on the staff – got retained and is getting a uh, a decent uh, a decent extension. So everyone from Odell uh, to uh, John to 
Uh, Sertan, who who I think we all do agree deserves that extension for what he's done since he's joined the staff recruiting rise, um, is getting extension, most of them through 2026. Uh, a couple, including Atkins, through 2027 um, are, are getting sizable extensions, which um, I'm never going to hate on people getting more money, more job security, um, which is great. But it stirred a kind of a reaction on Twitter. A lot of people were pissed because of the fact that we have not, many have seen, and I brought this up a couple of times, Many feel that in certain position areas, uh, offensive line, defensive line, linebacking core, that recruiting and sometimes development has not been where it needs to be. And that should be reflected in, in who you retain on your staff. As you can tell right now, Florida State is, is kind of scrambling to fill positions of need. We're bringing in defensive ends, and we'll discuss that. The kid from Colorado State, the kid, you know, Oregon State, uh, we're, DJ, our new quarterback, is trying to recruit guys from Oregon State. Uh, to come over all across the country to to come fill in some gaps on the defensive line. Um, because the last couple cycles, we've only signed one four-star defensive line lineman. One four-star defensive lineman in the last three cycles has been signed by Odell and recruited by Odell. There's certain position coaches on this team I feel like have not been able to necessarily do think do you think recruit the way they need to be. That that's what I'll say, and you could, and there's going to be the argument is that well, look at Jared Verse, look at Braden Fisk, you know, look at Jermaine Jones, uh, Johnson. That is true, absolutely right, and that's not to say that these coaches can't coach. I believe Odell can definitely coach up guys, can develop guys. I believe that Randy Shannon can probably coach linebackers pretty well, or he wouldn't have a job at all, right? He would have never had a, a head coaching job at all. But we have to ask ourselves at some point. Is the transfer if the transfer portal went away next year? Let, let's let's do a hypothetical situation. If the transfer portal went away next year, would you look at these coaches the same way? Would you look at Odell the same way in terms of what he's brought to the roster if he could no longer use the transfer portal? Because that shouldn't affect the transfer portal shouldn't affect who he's able to get out of out of high school recruiting, right? He should be able to bring the best and the brightest out of out of high school ranks, right? But he's been struggling with that. I mean, this team is 23 in what, 23 and four the last two seasons. And yet we still struggle to bring in elite defensive linemen. I'm talking four and five stars. We're, we're, we're missing on. And we've become reliant almost as a crutch using the transfer portal to bring in Braden Fisk, Jared Verge. Jermaine Johnson, you know, bring in those guys to supplement this line. And we're having to do it in another offseason because we don't have those high school guys who are true, you know, true sophomores, redshirt sophomores who we can now bring up and be ready to play because we saw a glimpse of that in the Georgia game, right? We were missing a lot of guys. I understand that. A lot of guys, you know, were opted out, injured. But it also was a chance for to see what we had who would be playing in 2024, right? It was a chance to see what our backups looked like. And that defensive line, I'm just, I hate to state it, no one popped out. Except for, except for you know, who we expected to pop out on that on that defensive end side, you know, which is Patrick Payton when he had the strack, uh, stri uh, strip sack and almost fumble recovery. And that one play, that was the only defensive play of the game that really stood out to, to me and, and potentially you. You know, I didn't see Daryl Jackson, you know, make a lot of plays, but that's to be expected. He was out most of the season. I still expect him to make an impact next year. But Dennis Briggs, Daniel Lyons, Ryan Turner, 
you know, these guys are, are you know, Brian Turner's going to be a redshirt junior next year. You know, Dan Lyons is going to be a, 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 you know, a redshirt sophomore next year. Jaden Jones is going to be a redshirt junior next year. Dante Anderson is going to be a redshirt sophomore. You know, are these guys ready to make that next step in the system on the defensive line? And that's defensive ends. And I, I just don't think, I think we brought in so many three-star guys that take longer to develop that now we're, we are having to rely on the portal as a crutch to still compete at a high level. And that's why I, I put in the hypothetical scenario that if the portal went away, would we look at Odell the same way? Would we say Odell is a is a elite coach that can bring us, you know, can can win us a national help us win a national championship in the trenches? Because I think he's done a great job of securing guys like Jared Verse and, and Braden Fisk and, and Fabian Lovett. But those guys were all transfers, right? And we have, we cannot forget Daryl Jackson. We can't forget that, that most of these high impact guys have been from the portal. They haven't been brought up from high school recruits. And you could say the game's changed, Keith, the game's changed. You know, uh, you know, it's not the same the way it's always been. But when you look at the great programs, the ones that are winning multiple national championships, they are relying on 15, 10, 15 transfer portal guys every single year. You know, they're building up a pipeline of talent so that if guys churn out of their program or if guys get injured, they do have elite four or five star talent that they can call up and they can say, it's your turn. Or, you know, you're ready to play as an elite five star freshman or an elite true sophomore, right? You don't have to hope that you win the battle in the portal against an Alabama or a Georgia or an Ohio State or an Oregon. Right, because it's now so competitive in recruiting because of the money that's involved, NIL deals, everything that you don't always want to have to rely on the portal because it's so damn competitive out there, right? And I think that's the part that scares me is that we just haven't been able to; those coaches have not been able to get it done in the high school ranks. That's the that's the part that concerns me. What's going on, Mike? Thanks for coming by. We appreciate you being here, and and let us know your thoughts on this as well. But but that's really my point with Otel. He he has to step, and that's what I that's the assurance I would need if I was Mike Norvell. Is, is Odell? We we need to start landing this elite talent because when you look at Georgia and who they're landing, and and I hate to bring up Georgia so so soon. But that is the gold standard in my eyes, even though they're not in the national championship game this year. To me, they are the gold standard. I mean, you look at their blue chip rate, 85%. You look at the guys that they're they, – they brought in four, four, four or five-star defensive linemen just in this last class. We've brought in three over the last three classes, four stars or above. That's where we need to go, where we are not as reliant on transfers, where they're bringing in four or five selectively, and we're not just trying to overhaul our defensive line like we are this season, right? You can see how many visitors, and we'll talk about those visitors we have coming up. That's the part that scares me because I feel like the portal, even though Mike and the staff have done a great job in the portal, I'll keep saying that. They have done a great job, and kudos to them for doing that. But when you become reliant on the portal, it feels sometimes like a gamble, that sometimes you're going to win, some years you're going to win the portal, and sometimes you may miss out on the right commits. And, and I think one of the ways that they may have missed out is when you lose a commitment from Nick Scorton from Purdue. This is a kid right here that I think is probably the best D end available in the portal. And he committed to 
he committed to Texas A&M this year. You know, 10 sacks last year, 6'4", 285, would have been a perfect complement to what Patrick Payne brings to you. This, this is the Jared Verse of the portal this year, except, you know, obviously he comes from Purdue. But in terms of trying to get to a bigger program, you lost that battle in the portal. But you can, you know, he's trying, he's going back to Texas. You understand that. But that's where some of these battles you're not going to win. And when you miss out on talent like that, you wish you had talent from high school that you could rely on. You wish you had a five star freshman that was ready to step up or say, it's my turn. Let, let's rely on you. You don't have that right now. So that's where you're bringing in guys now that you hope can turn into that. So you've got the kid from uh, Grady Kelly, I believe his name is from uh, defensive tackle from Colorado. Um, who looks like a good player. What one and a half sacks last year, 35 tackles, two and a half, uh, six and a half for, for loss. Looks like a good kid, good offers out there, but still not the same level of talent that you would have gotten um, from Nick at, from Purdue. So, th- so that's Odell. I, I'll leave Odell for alone for a second. The same argument could be applied to Randy Shannon. The linebacking group, you have to be very concerned about because there is no depth of that position. Look at what we lost. Kalen Deloach, you know, in my eyes, uh, uh, an FSU legend. He won't, he probably won't get his name retired, but, you know, everyone's going to, I will remember his name forever for what he turned into, what he invested in this team and just the type of player he became over the course of four or five years. I love Kalen. He, he, you know, great, amazing player. Tane Bethune, same, same type of deal. But he was, you know, you got him out of the portal from UCF, you know, developed him into a great player. And he already was a great player at the UCF, right? It wasn't like you had to mold him out of clay. He was a really good player at UCF and you were lucky that the portal was open to get him into this group. You lost DJ Lundy to the portal. So once again, you lost him out of the portal and he was a rotational guy. And um, I, I think you saw that you could improve at that position. Um, he kind of struggled in space, but you know, he was a rotational player, but you saw in the Georgia game with Tana Bethune out, no DJ Lundy. Alan Deloach couldn't do it all. He, he couldn't do it all against an elite team. And when your defensive line was missing guys, that puts more pressure on who? The linebackers. And when you're playing Blake Nicholson, Omar Graham, who are true freshmen, or you know, retro freshmen, Omar Graham's part, and then Justin Cryer, who's a true freshman, you got no shot, right? And especially when Omar Graham and Justin Cryer are, are these aren't, you know, it's no offense to them, but they're going to need time to develop. These aren't five-star guys who have bodies automatically built for the speed of Georgia and the size of Georgia, right? So once again, you have struggled to bring in elite linebackers. And Blake Nicholson is a good recruit. That That is one hit I will give to Randy Shannon is out of the last three cycles, Blake Nicholson's the only four slash five-star guy he's brought in. But that is the one hit he's gotten. You wish you would have, you wish you've had three or four of him because that's the only, you know, talent depth you have. You could say he was a, you know, in high school, he played running back, quarterback, multiple positions. So he wasn't even a true linebacker. He was just kind of rated based on his talent potential. Um, even though I, I, I think he could become something great at Florida State, but he's not there yet. We saw that. He needs to put on size, be built by storms, as we say, right? But what you lost in the linebacking room just shows you again, you Florida State does not have depth built up at some of these key positions in the trenches on the defensive line, in the linebacking group, 
Because I, I, you know, if if we were to say it's Blake, Omar, and Justin next year, how confident would you be that that they're going to be able to hold down that against Clemson, Miami, Louisville, you know, Notre Dame, some some on paper very talented teams, right? Some of those kids, I believe, need more time to develop in the system, get their bodies developed up because they just, you know, they weren't out of high school ready for this, right? Ready for you know, playing some of these teams. And so that's where I work at Randy Shannon. I say he hasn't been holding up his part of the bargain consistently enough to say, project ahead and say, when we lose our stars and Tatum and Kalen, and if we lose a guy like DJ, who's a rotational piece, what does our roster look like? That's where these coaches have to be able to look ahead and project. What does our roster look like in two years and three years? And I know it gets hard with the unpredictability of the portal, that's why having a high school recruiting class every single year helps you with some of that unpredictability, right? Because you have a new guys coming in that can backfill what you're losing in the portal. And that's where I have to put that on him and say, Randy, what, what have you been doing? Why don't we have guys ready to step up that are going into their sophomore year that are ready to take over or ready to play, play football? Because I'm not sure these guys are, are necessarily ready yet. Uh, let me put some of your comments up. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to manage all these screens, stuff like that. We're not recruiting the trenches. Shannon can go and Coach people can go. Yeah, Corey, like you know, like we were talking about with Shannon, I I, I have to agree with you there. We'll get into Coach P. Um, defensive end-wise, like you said, the depth isn't there. Um, you know, Patrick Payne was a great hit. Um, but once again, it has to be – there has to be more recruiting. There has to be more looking forward to say, why isn't there more depth there, right? It can't just be – we're going to rely on the portal over senior year because that gets risky, like we just talked about. Coach Odell's Alexia at FSU, and like Coach, he's then going to get fired. The college football media review, you are right. And if the old man was here, if my co-host was here, he would definitely agree with you. Um, it's been the it's been the issue with Coach Hamilton, and the you know he brought Florida State to its highest peak, and we're seeing it go back to its lowest, right? With college uh, with the FSU basketball program, he will have to go on his own, right? Kind of like with Bobby Bowden, Hall of Fame coach. And it was hard to say to let him go, but he had to kind of go on his own, right? It had to be his time to go. And I think with Odell, you're right. It, it, it may be one of those scenarios where he's going to have to hang it up or they're going to, have, he's going to negotiate something where he has an off field role. And it's hard. I, I understand that. Like nobody will love Odell more than any other FSU fan. We respect what he's done, what he's working with Bobby Bowden, everything. But it, it's at some point, Mike Norvell has to say, if we want to be a championship caliber program, we got to get elite recruiters in every position, or, or at least more than our defensive back position. It can't just be Pat Sertan being the elite recruiter on this team. Hmm. Mike says, I just feel like things can get better, and I have no, and, and I don't know that Coach Norvell will make changes if and when it needs to. Continue to believe in Coach Norvell and his plan. Yeah. I, that's the thing. And Bud Elliott said this on his show. Uh, and I like the Nolcast. I think Bud makes some realistic points and is one of the more realistic commentators about Florida State football and doesn't just kind of sugarcoat things for what fans want to hear. But one thing he brought up on the show a couple of weeks ago was that, you know, Mike Norvell may not know what a an elite college football program, like an elite recruiting process looks like or elite recruiting setup looks like because he you know he his first head coaching 
program was at Memphis, right? And it's not like you're recruiting five-star freshmen there, but he developed the hell out of all players. He found gems in the rough. He found two, three-star guys and made them into NFL players. And it, it was great. It was unbelievable. He, you know, he built Memphis up and it was a great thing. And that's what got him to Florida State, right? But that doesn't work. You know, you have to do better than that at Florida State. And the ACC and the Big Ten and wherever Florida State goes next, you have to be recruiting four or five-star players and getting the most out of them. You can't be relying on getting, you know, three stars and making them into four or five stars. You have to be getting four or five stars and getting the most out of that talent, right? And you have to build – it can't just be you doing it all, too. You have to get coaches around you that you trust in who are going to be doing their jobs every single day and getting the best players at every position, right? So so I thought that was an interesting point that he brought up. Um. Hinnock says, excited to see Jane Jones this season. Yeah, Jane Jones is an interesting prospect. He said the transferred in. I think what he come in from community college last year. And once again, a guy that needs to work up his body a little bit, but he's going to have an opportunity. You know, there, uh, I know we're bringing in some guys, and I think it's smart that they bring in some transfers at the defensive end position because I think Patrick Payton, as great of a player as he is, he's he's at his best. He's great when he has a complimentary piece on the end. Jared Verse and Patrick Payne were the best complimentary pieces, right? Because Jared Verse, he brought a lot of double teams on his side, and Patrick Payne, for his size and his length, you know, he's optimized when he has a single, you know, a one-on-one, right, with his speed and, and like I said, his length. So I think Fleur Saint needs to find that complimentary piece on the other edge uh, for Patrick Payne. And, and Jane Jones, maybe he is that guy. Maybe he gets developed once again with another year under his belt, and he's ready to play this season. But I'm excited to see if they can get this kid from Oregon State um, that I, I'm sure DJ is recruiting, um, or uh, who they bring in. Uh, but I do believe that they need to bring in a couple more bodies on this defensive line. I, I don't think there's a question about it. Uh, Jamal says, need a chill. We just went 13 0. We'll be fine. I get it. No, I, I, I get it. I'm not going to complain about going 13 0, but I don't think you can be complacent either. And that's that's the difference. I, I think you, you can never be satisfied. And you just saw what Ohio State did, right? Ohio State, by all matters is a great program i i never gonna hate on programs just to hate on programs just because rivals or if, if a rival program's doing a great job i'll give them kudos for that you know ohio state isn't a rival um but they had the great ohio state had a pretty pretty decent season but they just made dramatic changes and they seem to be 11 and 2 right and they're gonna be retooling most of their roster it looks like probably keeping you know brian hartline as the Ace recruiter on their staff. So Ryan Day is saying we need to make changes, right? You know, and, and they basically had, you know, 11 plus win season. Now they're struggling to beat Michigan. So that's one change they need to make. Um, and, you know, sometimes their offense was sputtering, but this is a, you know, and that's where I think a lot of the comparisons are coming from. You know, it does, does Mike Norvell need to make Ryan Day like changes at Florida State to continue to compete at the highest level? Because you, I, I don't think you can ever get complacent. You know, 13-0 is great, but it, it doesn't take much to, in, in this competitive age of college football, as we all know, it doesn't take much to to drop down a peg. Look at Clemson. They went from being the top of the top to, you know, a 10-win team, you know, to, to kind of swagger, you know, to, to wobbling a little bit. And now I'm not to say, you know, I'm not to say Clemson's falling off their pedestal because they're, they are still very dangerous and they bring in top talent. But it doesn't take much to wobble. If you if you are off your game, if you get stagnant in what you do and how you recruit, you can be easily wobbled and you can take a step back. And I do not want to see Florida State take a step back. 
and that and that's why I that's why I I get scared about getting complacent with our coaching staff, right? And that's why can do do we have the ability to get another Patrick Sertan on this team? Because look at the class he just brought in. Look at the DBs we just got this year, right? Could we not do that at the defensive line position if we were to look at other coaches, right? You know, look at Charles Lester and, and Kai Bates and Jamari Howard, it, it, you know, and that's one year under Patrick Sertan, right? You know, it, it, if we got a new coach or an assistant coach on the defensive line, we made changes there. Could we get more four stars on the defensive line, defensive end? You know, if we got rid of John or replaced John, that's, you know, it, it could, is that how we elevate to the next level? And once again, I think develop those got development those guys have done to help the portal guys come in and do what they do best. They've done a great job of that. But you have to be a balanced coach. You have to be able to do all three phases. You have to be able to develop guys. You have to be able to recruit guys. And you have to be able to retain guys, right? You have to be able to do all three great in today's college football, especially if you want to be a top five program. And for Florida State to barely, and I, I, I mean, you know, barely get, you know, and, and according to on three, and that's what I like to use just because they're user interface. I mean, Florida State's gone, what, 23 and four, 23 and three the last two seasons. And you're still outside the top 10 recruiting classes. That that that's the thing that scares me is is Mike Norvell is doing a great job of coaching these guys up and, and game planning and and the staff is doing that doing the the paper stuff very well getting guys in the right position to win ball games right but this piece this piece right here is not coming together Florida State needs to be recruiting the best talent at a higher level right you should be ahead of Notre Dame. You should be ahead of Auburn. You should be, you know, you should be in the top five. We need to, no offense, but we should be recruiting at the Miami level, even though there's a lot of three stars, a lot of three stars in that. So I, I'm happy with that, taking less three stars. I'm happy with that. But, you know, I, I think Florida State needs to figure out a way to be consistently top seven, top eight, top five classes if we want to get to the level of, of the Georgia, Alabama Ohio State and consistently be there. And I think it can happen, but I do think some tweaks need to be made to the staff. Now, when we look at the salary, I, I want to take a look at the salaries real quick uh, of the staff because I think that that does make a difference too. So these, these are the staff, and this may be a little hard to see. So this is the last year's data. So these have gone up a little bit, um, just uh, minorly with the new contract extensions. But you can see that you know, Alan Fuller is, is the top paid assistant on the staff, which I believe he deservedly paid. I think Alan Fuller's done a great job as a defensive coordinator at Florida State. I'm not going to argue that. I think he's done a great job with the personnel. Um, a guy who was in hot water, I think, originally at Florida State. Um, but I think a lot of people have come around, have come around to, and I think he's done a great job with the personnel and the play calling. Um, and now he's considered one of the top defensive coordinators in the country. So I think he's done a great job, and I think he deserves that. And some may, and I, he's probably maybe some would consider what uh, uh, he's only the number 34 ranked, you know, assistant coach, paid assistant coach in the country. So you may be getting him for a bargain right now. Behind him is Alex Atkins. One question I have for you guys is why isn't, why isn't Alex Atkins on the hot seat? 
Why is it that Randy Shannon gets a lot of heat? Why is it that Odell gets a lot of heat? John Papachus gets a lot of heat. Why does Atkins get the slide? You know, this is a guy that two or three years ago, we were like, oh, we, you know, he may go and get another job somewhere. But so far, this hasn't, this, this Florida State offensive line hasn't become elite yet. I, I'm unclear why, why of all these tweets I'm seeing and stuff like that, and Alice Atkins got the longest extension. He got extended until 2027. I haven't seen no, you know, the Atkins effect on this offensive line yet. This is, from in my opinion, this isn't a very average offensive line. This this line doesn't dominate anybody. And I think Jordan, we had the benefit of Jordan Travis's mobility many, many times to bail out when the line really broke down. And luckily, we'll have the strength and, and mobility of DJ this year as well. But do you all feel that Alex Atkins is somewhat getting up? He, I mean, he is a well-paid assistant on the staff, right? Uh, he he got a pay raise with his latest extension. He'll be a, probably a top 35, top 40 assistant, paid assistant coaches year again. But we have yet to see any of the, you know, Top recruited guys for him starting a line. Julian Armella, when once again, is he ready to step up? I mean, Luke, it's not like he's bringing in these huge halls of four stars either. I mean, behind, outside of Julian Armella and Lucas Simmons, you know, where are the, where is this rehaul? It, once again, the, the portal has almost become a crutch for him as well because look at all the offensive linemen we're looking at in the portal right now. So go back to my hypothetical scenario. If the portal didn't exist, would we look at Alex Atkins the same way? Right? Would we look at him as, you know, this great coach if the portal didn't exist? Or is that used as a crutch for him? Because we're not able to get the elite offensive linemen that we need out of high school. Like, why why are we not getting three or four four-star offensive linemen that are re now ready two years later to play or to rotate in? I mean, we're still using the three or four same offensive linemen. We're still not elite players on the offensive line that are hurt. And when they get hurt, we're in trouble. And now we're trying to get the backup from Alabama to come by. You know, when when do we see the Atkins effect kick in with, with his recruiting and, and, and his guys ready to play? That That's what I want to ask because he seems to get a pass when everyone else gets heat. Whether it be Fuller a couple of years ago, whether it be Odell now, whether it be John, you know, on the defensive end side, whether it be Randy Shan with the linebackers, which that can be all be fair, but Atkins gets the pass. So I, that's the only thing that, you know, I I, I don't understand. Hidnock says need to see some big improvement from the O line this season. I I agree with you. I I, I agree. I, I need to see something out of that out of that line because. Every year, it's you know, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. This is the year, but we we're playing with the same players. This the personnel remains the same outside of a couple portal pieces. Why do we expect it to get better? These these you know, this high school guys that he's recruiting that aren't ready don't ever play. So why do we expect the same? It's insanity because we're no one else is coming new. It's the same guys over and over who 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 don't get replaced or get re recruited over. It's the same guys playing, so I don't expect it to get better next year. If, if anything, 
it may regress, right? Axon is most one of the top recruiters on staff, but is he? I mean, that that's the thing I'm questioning. Because, I mean, is he... I'm not seeing the recruits on the offensive line come in. Is he helping with other positions that he's helped closing? Because I'm not seeing the offensive line. Like I said, Lucas Simmons, great. That's a good grit. Jonathan Daniels, I don't know. I saw the videos at the Under Armour camp, and he got bowled over. So I don't know if he's going to be ready to play in two years or three years. And then Julian Armella has been here, what, now two two and a half years? Is he going to be ready to play next year? He didn't get any playing snaps this year. So is he going to be ready to play? I, I want these guys to work out, but we have not brought in. And a lot of these guys, Jalen Early, is he ready to play? When are these guys going to be ready to play? That's that's. I want to see some of these elite Alex Atkins recruits or be ready to play. I want to see the Atkins effect. Show me the Atkins effect. Because once again, he gets a pass. Nobody else does. Also, you know, I was told we have to hold on to him because he was going to get all these job offers. I mean, I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing those. I, I, I still think he has something to prove about this program, just like all these other coaches do. Every, all these coaches have to prove something, but I, I want, I want, I want to see the Atkins effect on this line. They made him co-OC. That's why, but he's slipping on recruiting too. Well, that's a good point, Corey. Um, you know that that's a good point for why he's getting paid more. That's that's totally true. And I think to that point, that was one of the retention tools is to give them a better title, more money to your point. But we do need to see that that recruitment game go up because it, it hasn't worked. Missing the old man. Yeah, he, he does give some parody. And I think he would. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to see if he would uh, agree with me or not. So uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and then and then the last thing uh, in terms of the coaching staff is that it's a. Sorry, my dog is chewing on something. Uh, the last thing I want to discuss is that: Do you think that Florida State? Because we're looking at we're looking at the numbers here, and Florida State does not. I mean, like I said, top two coaches are two assistants are paid in the top fifty. Top fifty of all assistant coaches: Fuller and Atkins. John Papachuas is one forty. Randy Shane's one seventy. Odell's one ninety five. Chris Thompson, 252. Johnson is 255. Ron Dugans is 276. Sertan, probably your best coach, 350. Tony Tarkas is 384. Now, Sertan, I know, is getting a bump to like 700K. So this is going to go higher, which she deserves. And I think Ron du uh, I think Odell is staying around 600. So I know Sertan's getting a big bump in his salary, which she deserves. Do you think that like Odell's in the 200s of top paid assistants. You know, are you holding on to him because you're like, he's good enough for what we're paying him? And in Florida State doesn't have the budget right now to, to pay more assistance more? Because once again, I'm making a I want to make a comparison to some of the top programs in the country. Look, let's look at uh let's look at say Georgia's uh Georgia's uh, assistant coaching staff. And let's look at their defensive line coach and what they're paying him because they they recruit their defensive line at an elite level. Let's look at that. So look at their top. They have four coaches in the top fifty. They got Glenn Schumann, who I believe Glenn Schumann is their yeah defensive coordinator slash inside linebackers coach. So you would assume that 
he's recruiting all the defense, all the defense and helping out with linebackers. He's their number four paid coach. So similar to Florida State, you know, highly, highly paid guy, but helps with linebackers, top paid coach. That makes sense. Then you got Trey Scott, $1 million. $1 million. What's Trey Scott do? He's their defensive line coach. Top 50 paid assistant coach making a million dollars. Odell's making 600K. They've made an investment to get the right coach to recruit the trenches. You know what Georgia does? They sign four guys per cycle that are four and five recruits. While Florida State signs three guys every three cycles. I mean, that shows the investment where they're getting the best coaches and retain the best coaches for the trenches to recruit the trenches. That's what that shows me. Linebackers, defensive line, let's get the best, you know, let's pay the best coaches to get the best talent, right? And do their job. Because if we learned anything at the, you know, we saw what Georgia can do. And obviously it was ones versus three, stuff like that. But I think we can all agree that Georgia runs the program the right way in terms of getting the right talent. But when you're, when you're, Florida State's paying Odell Hagen, you know, Odell 600K, and you're not happy with the results of that, you have to sometimes look at yourself and say, are we saving money? Like, is there a reason why we're not getting results too? Is it because, you know, we're not investing enough in that position coach, right? Should we go and pay a guy? Can we afford to pay a guy a million dollars a year, right? When we already have an offensive line coach and a defensive coordinator make a million dollars. So that's, I think that's just an interesting tidbit, right? It's, it's something to think about. Because we're paying an offensive line line coach a million dollars and a defensive coordinator, and we recruit defensive backs in an elite level, but are, we already we you know Patrick St. Hans the one that's overseeing that for the most part, and he's probably our our most we're getting our most ROI on that right now, but he's going to get a pay bump too. So just something to think about there and and get and get your thoughts on. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, but what does Atkins really do as the OC? He's you know. And neither of you, you're correct. We know Norvell's calling the plays. So the OC title is really just a pay raise tool, right? It's for him to say, you know, put that on his resume, co-OC, that's just a resume building tool. And it's a tool for him to get a pay raise, right? To say, I'm this is a title, so I can get this million dollars per year. You're totally right. It's not like Atkins is calling plays. And in my eyes, it's not like, it's not adding to his skill set right now in terms of him being the playbook and calling plays. You know, I, I don't really, maybe it helps in him recruiting because he can say, well, as the co-OC, I'll be working with you on X, Y, and Z. Maybe that helps in recruiting. I, I don't know that. It's not just about how much you're paying the position codes, about how many off the field people you have. That is true. Real master. You're totally right on that. The off the, off the field guys and the guys you don't see on the field and, or in the shadows and kind of your, the directors are recruiting and their assistants and stuff like that. You're totally right. Like an NFL organization, the guys in the shadow, the guys and girls in the shadows, you know, doing their thing. You're totally right. Cause like, like your comment says, it, it's, it's very much like a NFL organization nowadays. You have to be invested in, in getting these off field people and letting them do their thing, whether it's monitoring the portal or having guys in different regions who are recruiting kids and putting feelers out there and, scouting whatever it is you're right you have to and florida state just lost uh lost their was it the director of recruiting operations or i think he's going to duke i i believe it was um so you're you're definitely right it's that investment in those those positions you don't see publicly you're you're totally right real master that's a that's a really good point so i i 
you know, I've made my point about that. Can't change it now. Florida State has invested in these coaches. And, and now Mike, Mike Norvell's tied to these guys. The only way this changes is, is if Randy Shannon gets a head coaching role or if Alex Atkins gets a head coaching role um, or John Papachus gets a head coaching role. That's the only way this, this changes. And, or, you know, and maybe this works out. Maybe, you know, maybe they start recruiting their tail off because they should be recruiting their tail off. This team, like I keep saying, is 23 and four, 23 and three over the past two years. There's no, it has a great NIL collective behind them. There is no reason in hell we should not have top 10, top five classes. Who the hell doesn't want to play at Florida State? Why shouldn't they want to play at Florida State? Like, you know, you're about to send multiple guys to the NFL now, receivers, running backs, defensive, like, I, these coaches have no excuse for why we shouldn't be getting elite talent anymore, right? No excuses why we should be showing up outside of a top 10 class at the end of the day. This should not happen anymore. There's no more excuses for you guys. You extended the Mike Norvell. They're your responsibility. You have to be in the top 10. That's it. That's it. There's no more excuses. So, um, so yeah, let's support these guys because we're tied to them. And let's hope that they recruit their tails off. And, and now let's move into our next segment, which is the portal. What what is Florida State doing the portal to address these depth these this depth chart? Because as we know, you know some of the recruiting struggles have led to challenges on the roster in terms of we lost a ton of guys, and we have to go in the portal and we have to talk about who who can we fill the depth chart with, right? So as as it was reported on on Noel's game day and twenty four seven and Tomahawk Nation, this is a big recruiting weekend for Florida State. Uh, it started today, right? Florida State had a, a couple of visitors today. They had a kid from Furman in this week, O lineman, big guy, two time All Conference player um, at Furman. You know, once again, that's a conference FCS school. So, but Florida State's had some success with FCS kids, obviously. You know, Jared Verse um, to name to name one. But Florida State, I believe, needs to get at least two offensive linemen, you know, to, to shuffle along that offensive line, whether it's guard or or how or what say you. Because when you look at the offensive line and what you have and what you're losing, obviously you're going to lose Casey Roddick, you're going to lose Dimitri Emmanuel, uh, eligibility. Uh, you're going to bring back uh, Marie Smith, Darius Washington, um, Jeremiah Byers, Keandre Jones. Once again, you're bringing back basically the same offensive line minus one or two pieces. So your, your line is going to be the same. You should expect the same performance from your line, but how do you get better this year? And you're looking at the kid. Uh, I forget his name off the top of my head. Remind me again, Chad, the, you're looking at the guy from the backup offensive lineman from Alabama. Um, I believe, you know, Florida State recruited him out of high school. So you're, you're looking to bring him in for a visit. He may already be confirmed for a visit uh, this weekend. Um, you're looking to bring him in. You're also looking at, uh, like I said, Pearson Toomey from Furman. Uh, they brought him in for a two-day visit. Uh, you're also uh, one other guy. Uh, his name's Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson from uh, Clemson, or from Alabama, I'm sorry. So you lost him uh, in a recruiting battle a couple of years ago. So you already have a connection with him. 6'4", 322, can play garter center. So, And he's the good thing about him is that he has experience playing time. You need a guy with experience, right? You don't want to bring a... A, a true sophomore with no playing time. And you need a guy that has experience. And this guy has 11 games, 
Kenneth Furman obviously has multiple years of experience. Um, so they like they like Terrence Ferguson from Alabama. Um, and he is they're looking to get him on campus. And obviously that goes in line with you're trying to recruit. And and I think what's his uh, Brendan already crystal balled Earl Little Jr. Uh, for Florida State already because they got him on a visit, defensive back. I don't know if defensive back is a position of need for Florida State right now, but it's good to have more than less. Once again, uh, score another visit for uh, Patrick Sertan, basically gobbling up every talented defensive back he can. Uh, so we may have to play like a, a three-man front and just let the defensive backs play man-to-man and hope the linebackers can uh, do what they do. But uh, yeah, Terrence Ferguson is going to be on campus this weekend. He arrived, I think they said today, along with Earl Little Jr. So you have two Alabama guys on campus. Um, so I, I think Ferguson would be a good get. I, I would probably trust him over uh, the Furman kid, but I would take both, honestly, if if you can afford to get both. My real question is, what is our scholarship count at? I've seen counts at five scholarships still available. I've seen some counts at nine available. Some people said, because someone, uh, Knowles Game Day did an article that says right now the count is at 80, 80 of 85 scholarships are currently allocated. And that included uh, Goldie Lawrence going into the portal. So if anyone has the accurate count of scholarships, I would like to know that because right now, it looks like Florida State only can allocate five more scholarships unless they churn a couple of guys out on this roster. So it's 85, I believe, Corey. So that's a good question. How many scholarships does the NCAA allow? 185. If it's 85, we have to make room with no linebacker depth, O-line, D-tackle, and a vet flanker. Yeah, I agree. I believe it's 85. That's what Noel's game day tweet said, that it was we were at 80 of 85 allocated right now. So that would make me think that we have only five available and we would have to once again churn out some more of this roster if we want to add some positions of need. Um, Grillmaster's estimated 78 the update yesterday, so that would mean seven. Okay, so seven available. Okay, so seven I think is a good number that you can work with. Um, I think that would be a really good number that you can work with because to me you need to add two linebackers, two offensive linemen, uh, well, at least two offensive linemen, two defensive line, uh, two, two defensive linemen, one being line, one being edge, probably two, maybe two edge. So you're, I'm counting up five or six minimum, um, at, at that. And you're right, Grillmaster. Classes start next week, so you're running out of runway for guys to be eligible for the spring, right? So you really and people are going to be flooding the portal. You're you're absolutely right. So the deadline is getting close. So you're going to see guys pop here real quick. Now the portal does reopen in April again, but you, if you want guys eligible for the spring, right, you need to get them in now, um, which is the big one. Cause we didn't get Keon Coleman till last, you know, in the April window last year. So you may not, you may not get everyone right now, but you obviously want to get guys in earlier than later. So you can get them into the program, get them kind of in the swing of things, which is why it was so important to get DJ now, get them around his teammates, get those relationships going. Um, so it's better to get them now than later so you know what your roster looks like. Um, that doesn't mean all is lost if you don't get these guys now, but I agree it's it's better to get them now rather than later. Uh, what's going on, Dagby? Thanks for coming by. So if we're looking at six, I, I like, you know, I and Florida State's hosting a bunch of receivers. You know, we're and I think the receiver bit, my my whole take on the receiver bit has been I believe Florida State needs I, I say dogs versus puppies. What I mean by that is I think Florida State needs a couple of vets in this room. 
And what I mean by is that look at who you lost. You lost Johnny Wilson. You lost Keon Coleman. You lost your you, you lost your dogs in the room. You lost your vets. Those are guys that you could go to when you need a big play. You need a first you know, first down. As much as we dog Johnny Wilson for his hands, it, it seemed like whenever you you need a big third down over the middle or, or you know he was willing to go over to, like you could count on him sometimes when you needed him to do things. And when you didn't need him to do things, that's when he dropped things, right? But Johnny Wilson was was a great player at Florida State, and and so was Keon Coleman. But those are your dogs. Those are your vets in the locker room in the wide receiver position. You know, your lean receiver last year or next year is going to be Ja'Kai Douglas, who had like 200 yards. I think this room is too young. It's got a lot of potential in it, a lot of potential talent. That's Hill, Hakeem Williams, you know, uh, and, and, and all the guys you just brought in, right? You had a great recruiting class in terms of skill position players in this last class. But I think you need I think you need a vet that can kind of be the guy to to one one be the leader in that receiver room. And I'm not saying Ja'Kai Douglas can't. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I think you need a big play guy, especially not in the slot. Ja'Kai's a slot guy, right? With him and Dustin Hill, we'll fight for that. But I think you need that X or Z position. I think you need a dog in that position who has, you know, whether it's the guy from FAU. I, I don't think it's the kid from LSU. I, I know I know Florida State and everyone's getting excited for the kid from LSU who was a, who they recruited a year ago. But once again, that kid is unproven. That's just a, it's like another freshman you're bringing in. That guy hasn't proven anything. Why are we why are we looking to recruit another young guy into the room that's already young? That's why Goldie Lawrence is leaving, right? Because he's like, you're bringing in another young kid into an already young room. Why am I going to stay here? We need we need a we need a veteran in this room to lead this room that you that DJ can rely on. That is my opinion. You know, get get the kid from Oregon State. I forget his name. Uh, I think it's right. Uh, he just ended the portal. Like he had what six or seven hundred yards with DJ last year. Get a guy like that. Get a safety blanket for DJ. And then let him build up the younger players, right? And, and and hopefully bring them along. But I would hate for DJ, veteran quarterback, to be surrounded by an eight bunch of unproven, untested receivers and us to go into game one against Jordan Tech in Ireland and hope that they perform on the field in game one. That that seems like a scary scenario to me. We're gonna get to see some attrition at receiver. Grillmaster, I totally agree with you. I think like I could see Joshua Burrell. You know, going. I can see Darian Williamson or Kentron going. I, I definitely, I think that is that is definitely a position that sh- would definitely make sense for attrition. And I wouldn't blame those guys at all. I wouldn't blame those guys at all. You just run a ton of receivers again. The room is extremely young, and you know, a lot of those guys are going to be seniors next year, and they have got no play time or enough snaps in the position to 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 guarantee that they'll get it this year. So I would I would agree with you. If, if any position can afford to be to churn out, it would be the receiver group. I, I would agree with you there. Uh, Pete says, keep an eye on the D-line trenches. I, I will be. <laughs> Peter, I definitely will be keeping an eye there because we, we need to keep an eye on that. Uh, Destin Hill, I, I want Destin Hill to break out so badly. I, I He showed flashes in the Georgia game. I you know he, How many times did he get behind the Georgia defensive backs? Um, we just couldn't deliver the ball. So, I, And I think DJ will be the guy that will be able to deliver him the ball. Uh, next year so i'm excited for that you have to you need a couple of receiver uh route running yes 
And that's what I'm saying. I don't want to go into go to Ireland on the road. I don't care if I'm playing Georgia Tech or or Texas Tech or Tennessee Tech. When you go on the road, it overseas, different environment, and you have a bunch of young guys that have very few snaps with a new quarterback. I don't want to, you know, I want a guy who's been there, done that before. Three seasons under his belt, you know, 90 plus receptions. Just get the kid from Morgan State if he's willing to come across the country. That's, I think that would be the perfect. DJ needs a safety blanket, in my opinion. Give him a guy that he feels comfortable with throwing the ball so that on third and third and five, third and six, boom, he gets to that guy, move the chains. And then let these other guys come along. Let him find his secondary receiver. Who's going to be his other safety blanket on the other side? And let that. I, I think Jakai could be the other guy. Jakai, if he stays healthy, I think he could have a very big year next year. I love Jakai. He just hasn't been healthy at all when he's been at Florida State. But that guy has so much potential. He just has to stay healthy. But I think he could also have a big year with DJ. That 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 could be that could be a great connection for this team. I he just he just needs to stay healthy. He just needs to stay healthy. Yes. So, Dag, you're talking about Stewart. I honestly, I think that's more smoke than real. I, I, I don't think, I don't think Florida State's in that battle at all. I, I, once again, I don't know anything. I am not an insider. Um, my title should say that, but I, I don't think Florida State's actually in that tie at in that battle. Um, I don't, I don't think they win that. But once again, I would be if, if that is true and they win that. I think that could be that could be a great a great addition, or the kid at FAU. Uh, Dejounte, I believe his name is. He had what fourteen hundred yards last year. Get get some guys that's done it before. That's all I'm asking. So that is the one thing. Whether it's a secret, if you're going to bring a guy in, bring a guy with experience in. The running back group. Florida State's hosting multiple running backs. I am a little perplexed with that. Right? Is it that the coaching staff is not impressed with what they see in Kaziah? Once again, Lawrence Philly had surgery. We expect him to be back. I like Toafili. I, I think he can take a, you know, in this, as we know by Norvell by now, he likes to rotate guys. It's not a one back, one back, uh, one back gets it all, right? He's going to run back by committee a little bit. You got Toafili. You got Sam Singleton. You got Cam Davis, who I, I expect Cam Davis to get carries next year. That guy looks like a man. That That's what I'm talking about. When you recruit elite talent, that's what they look like. They look like Cam Davis. Cam Davis is built to play day one. That's what that's what elite talent looks like. Five-star talent looks like. Built to play. But Florida State is hosting, if you didn't see it, they're hosting a kid, the back, uh, one of the backups from Alabama. He'll be coming in this weekend, I believe. They're trying to get him in. They're hosting the guy from Toledo. I mean, they're looking to bring in another running back. So what does that tell me? That tells me, A, they're expecting maybe some churn from the room. That's one thing. B, the other thing I tell you is that they are not, they're looking for a, a, another playmaker in the room. Now, some people weren't necessarily very impressed with what Kaziah showed in the Georgia game. I don't know if that's extremely fair. Some people said he looked a little slow. He didn't look. He didn't look great. I don't know if the Georgia game's a fair assessment of his skill set. That Georgia game just was not, it wasn't great for anybody on tape. Let's just, let's just be honest. But to be fair, that was our starting offensive line for the most part, right? That is who he's going to be running behind. 
Now, is he going to be running against a elite defensive Georgia line every single week? No, he won't be. But that will be the offensive line he'll be running behind. So does Florida State feel that they need another playmaker alongside Kaziah? Or do they need to replace what they lost in Rodney Hill? Do they need another, you know, guy that isn't, a ta- uh, isn't afraid to bounce, uh, bounce it off a guy or bounce it outside, right? So you got Roy Dell Williams that they're looking to bring in. He got, you know, he had really, you know, this guy that has experience. This is a guy that accumulated a good amount of carries last year at, at Alabama. Um, you know, they Alabama runs a deep running back room like Florida State does. He had some kickoff returns, you know, 500 yards last year, five touchdowns, average 5.5 per carry, I believe, last year. And the kid from Toledo had like 1,400 yards. So you have the guy from Toledo had a ton of yardage, and then you have a kid from Alabama who obviously is very talented and had 500 yards in the Alabama in a deep room there. So I, I just got to say, like, what does this tell you about the Florida State running back room? Is it that he just wants three primary backs that he feels really good about? Because if you bring this guy in, you're telling Cam and you're telling Cam and Sam Singleton that you you shouldn't be excited to play next year because it would be Toe Philly, it would be Kaziah, and it would be Roy uh, Roy Dell and or the Toledo kid. So you're not going to play five running backs, right? Mike wants three running backs. So I, I just think this sends a bad sign to the freshman you brought in. Like, right? Doesn't it, unless you expect somebody to leave. Like I, I, I just I, I don't completely understand this unless unless he feels one of those guys is not ready to play, he needs a, unless he really does feel one of them needs to be isn't a true playmaker or he needs more playmaking ability in the running back room. And I agree, Dagny. Cam Davis looks like he's ready to play the game. Like he he should be competing for snaps right away. I I just think bringing another back sends the wrong message to the guys in the room. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm never I'm never against bringing in more talent. Because I think it should push. It pushes everybody to get better. So if you think, if, if Mike Norvell thinks bringing in six running backs is the answer and that will push everybody, and if a guy leaves based on that, great, leave. I mean, do what's best for you. And I do think it'll, it may cause a guy to leave. But, you know, if he thinks that's, once again, trust Mike. That's the same. Trust Mike. If Mike thinks he needs another running back to push the talent up a level, do it. Do it. Because he, he sees these guys every day. So do it. But I, I I'm I just don't totally get the decision. I just don't totally get the decision. That he says four running backs, including the freshman. We don't really need more. Yeah, I, I I don't totally, totally get it. Don't totally get it. So it's probably gonna be Toe Philly Holmes and the Porter running back. If Samson and Tam beat them out homes, then maybe the transfers again in the spring. Yeah, but that's the part that scares me because, yes, either Sam or Cam. Like, I don't think Cam would transfer after one year of not playing, but you may lose Sam. You would definitely lose Sam. If Sam doesn't play at all next year, you will lose him. But you may be okay with that, right? You know, you may say, like, Sam needs another year of development to get his body bigger and, and you know, learn to see the whole whatever. Like I said, this is all hypothetical. But you may, that's what Mike Norvell may be saying. Like one of these younger guys needs more time to develop. And you may say, well, you know, if he hasn't developed, we may be okay with him saying, I need to go somewhere else. And you, then you have Cam Davis ready. 
that that may be that you, you may be right on that. You may be right on that. Pete, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for the 499 super sticker. Thank you so much. We appreciate that, Peter. And uh, once again, we appreciate your comments and your support for the show. Thank you so much, Pete. Uh, that is well, very much appreciated. And you know, the old man would be doing the, the music and the lights. Uh, he, he's celebrating somewhere. So appreciate that, Pete. But thank you. Thank you again. Always appreciate it. And it's great on a Friday to have you here and everyone to be here. So appreciate all the comments, everyone. But once again, that's the running back room. We'll see what happens. So out of all these guys we just discussed, who, who do you guys want? Do you guys want the guy from Alabama? Pete, who do you want? Do you guys want the guy from Alabama? Do you guys want the kid from Toledo? Or is there another guy in the board that you want? Because, I mean, these are the two main guys I've seen Florida State talk about. I mean, if you had your pick of the litter right here, who would you pick? Who would you pick? I I think I personally pick it. I like the kid from Toledo, but I, I think I would pick the highly the higher – Highly, the more the higher star guy out of Alabama. I mean, if you get 500 yards out of Alabama, you got some talent on you, right? In that room, I'm going to take a chance on the kid from Alabama, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, the last couple of guys that we talked about, so we've been talking about on defensive end position, and I, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because I'm not going to insult him by pronouncing this incorrectly. Well, Sione, I'm going to just say Sione. Um, I think this would, of all the defensive ends I've heard them talk about so far, I think this guy looks uh, This guy looks legit. So Tomac Nation reported this, amongst other places, is that they're looking to bring this guy in for a visit. Once again, uh, uh, close relationship with DJ, played at Oregon State together. This guy that was... All Pac-12 team, second team last year. 6'3", 265, one year of eligibility left. Eight tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles, one and a half sacks. I think a great rotational piece. Could be, could be like it says in the article, starter upside. I think this is a guy you could get along with another defensive end. This isn't a guy that's going to be pissed off if you bring in another piece alongside him. This is a great potentially a guy that has a lot of upside that would be a great rotational piece for what Florida state wants to run on the edge. Like this is a great, you bring two or three defensive line or defensive two defensive linemen and rotate him with Patrick Payton. And one of these other guys you're looking to bring out, this would be a great addition. The issue with this guy, I think is that he's from California. Does he want to move across the country? Like it seems like USC and Oregon are looking at him. Does he want to uproot his life? for one year to go to move to Tallahassee. Like that's literally like a diagonal change and move for him for one year. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for him. He may love what everything Florida state's done and how they developed the position in terms of what they've done with portal guys. But I don't know if you're going to convince a guy to make that thousands of miles of travel change for one season. So that that's, that's the issue I have with the recruitment here, but I, I think this would be a great, great roca uh, rotational piece for the defensive end position uh, for Florida state. Uh, going back. I, I don't know about Sam leaving that soon. Tophilly Holmes and portal running back with all leave this season. Pretty clear runway for the young back. Uh, I think that's a great comment. And I, I would agree with you there. I would agree with you there. Pete said, don't be surprised if alignment or two jump during the second transfer period. Hint, hint. Oh, that, Pete, I think you're right. And I, and I and what we talked about earlier to your point is that I 
overreacted a little bit to this first transfer period. I think we all did. I think we all do a little bit because Florida State made so many moves in the early transfer period last year, right? You got a lot of the big names last year in the early transfer period. And we forgot that there is there is these two periods. You have the you know the winter and then you have the spring one. Um and you know you're gonna you're, you're seeing a lot of talent now still enter, you know, with a lot all all these Alabama how many Alabama guys just dropped in, right? Today and yesterday, and Georgia guys dropped in and how many Michigan guys will now drop in in the coming days? And Texas got, you know, Washington guys, you know, stuff like that. So, like you said, I, I think you're right. And, and we may lose a couple of guys too on our, you know, we may see a couple of our own guys drop after the spring game. You'll see a lot of guys drop after the spring games, to your point, to see where they are in the depth chart. You'll see a lot more talent. So, we don't have to give up all hope is lost if we don't land all the talent we need now. But I do think it's better to get them on early rather than late. You want to get them kind of acclimated to the program, get them into conditioning, you know, get them on campus to to kind of get in the group. But I, to your point, Pete, you don't have to get, uh, I don't think we have to get all doom and gloom and not forget about that second period. I, I think you're, I think you're totally right there. Oh, Grimmaster, is that right? Did he already commit? To, well, that's a great pickup for them. That's a really good pickup for them and fits their scheme really well because um, they, they need a weapon, uh, you know, to, to go wrong with that quarterback. So um, that that's a great pick for them, as that's true. So uh, good for them. Louis, Louisville's, I mean, they, they're doing things the right way there. I, I think behind Florida State, they're probably, them and Clemson, Clemson, Louisville, uh, and Florida State are, I think, the top three programs right now in the ACC. You know, it's, it's easy for me to say that after Louisville just got to the, the conference game. But uh, I think Louisville's running their program the right way with uh, Braum. Um, they're doing, they're, they're recruiting their ass off, uh, right now. So, um, good for them. They, they've, they've, uh, that's a really good pickup for them. If that's true. Yeah. I really liked Jahante. a, I, I believe I'm saying his name right at FAU. That guy, he's small that I think that's the, that's the issue of what people are saying is that they, you know, Florida state wanted, you know, they like their big receivers, but now, you know, that's the funny thing. Florida State fans were telling me before that you know Mike Norvell doesn't want these small rece- doesn't want these small receivers. He wants the big guys like Keon and uh, you know Johnny Wilson and you know and Hakeem and stuff like that. Now they're telling me that you know we want we need smaller receivers because we need to get behind the defensive backs. Da, da, da. So you know I don't know if Florida State fans know what Mike Norvell wants in terms of receivers. You know it's it's kind of funny. Uh, sorry, Lejante Wester that that's his name. But you know that's because I I talk about Lejante. A couple of months ago, I liked him, um, but he's only 5'11", 167. So he's a small guy. Like he is a really kind of undersized guy and kind of goes against what Florida State has recruited um, primarily for those big positions. But the guy has speed and, and he has big playmaking ability, um, as you can see in his numbers. So and I and I, I don't think it's true that Florida State doesn't have guys that can get behind defensive backs. I mean, you have Destin Hill. You saw the speed that Hakeem Williams has on, I forget what game it was, um, where he basically ran between the t- between two defensive backs from a standstill. Um, uh, you know, Tate threw in the ball. It was a blowout, but he threw in the ball and he just sped through the defensive backs with speed I don't think any of us knew he had. I think Florida State has plenty of, plenty of speed at the receiver position. Um, but I, I think it's just about who's going to fit – with the quarterbacks the best, who who's the right fit for this culture for for this kind of offensive scheme overall? Um, and and I, yeah, I, I think that's it. But I, I don't think I think we have enough 
big guy. You know, Hakeem's a big guy. Um, I think you have a good mixture on this team right now. I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm not an expert here. Um, yeah, 2,700 yards, 21 touchdowns. I, I'm not going to argue against that. You could say it's FAU, but, I mean, production is production, right? Production is production. I, I I like that. I like that. And you need a guy. You need a guy that has experience like that. A guy that's not afraid to make a big play when you need a big big play made. And that's what I want to see Florida State pick up. I don't want no offense to kid at LSU, the four star guy that Florida State likes. I don't need another young guy with potential. I need production, not potential. That's what I want on this team. I'm tired. You know, a lot of a lot of potential on this team at the receiver position. I need I need production. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Um, Penny Boone commits. Okay, thank you for confirming that. They, that's great pickup. That guy, that's gonna be that guy's a hell of a player. It's it'll be exciting to see what he does there. That's great pickup for Louisville. Yeah, they they are hitting the portal very hard, very hard, and and they should. I mean, imagine if they had a decent quarterback last year, right? <laughs> I think that's where uh, you know they took a chance at the portal last year, and I don't think I think Louisville fans weren't very happy with their outcome at quarterback, uh, especially late on in the season. Um, but they're they're you know, and they know, and they're like they're like Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss knows they're not going to be able to recruit out of high school in the top ten, and 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 Kiffin I think will admit that, and he says we have a window right now, in terms of they have great talent on their team, and they're going to go all in on the transfer portal, and you saw Ole Miss do that. They they think that they can make a run at the at the title next year, and they went all in on the portal this year, because they know they're not going to out recruit. Alabama, George, all these SEC powerhouses in high school. So they're just going all in on the portal. And they may work out for them next year. It'll be really interesting. But you see that strategy. And you'll see, I think you'll see a lot more of these mid-tier, like Louisville's and, and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe, uh, probably, you know, some of these some of these ACC schools, they're going to try probably to go more all in on the portal because they're not going to be able to out-recruit Florida State in the high school level, Right. And they may, they're going to try to swing more at the fences in the portal because that's going to be the best way for them to compete, honestly, at the higher tier level. Well, exactly. Tyreek Hill's a small guy, but he <laughs> you ain't catching him in the open field. You just got you just got to deliver him the ball. If DJ can deliver the ball in the open field, it's money, right? It's money. And we know how ACC refs like to call uh, pass interference, so uh, you can't put a hand on the guy. Well, sometimes you can if it's a Florida State receiver. So, so but yeah, you're you're right. You need a combination of those tall, dominating, shorter, fat. Yeah, and I think Florida State have if Hakeem Williams is comes out ready to play next season, which I hope he is. Once again, some of these guys that were highly recruited that that's this coach staff did land. You know, I, I'm not going to just shit on the staff all the time. The, the staff has landed some. Highly talented guys like Hakeem Williams. Going into his sophomore year, Williams needs to be ready to step up. These Some of these highly recruited guys need to be ready to step up when they have the opportunity. Next year is Hakeem Williams' opportunity. He needs to come in and be ready to compete. Right? That's how a team that has a lot of potential makes the playoffs. It's guys that you brought in who are five-star guys. They, they play to their potential, right? That's how teams win. That's how teams go to the playoffs. They these five star guys that you brought in, they have to be ready to compete by their sophomore year. They can't be three or four years down. They have to be ready to play. So I'm hoping I hoping him, Dustin Hill are ready to play and compete at a high level next year. To your point. 
Bama kids game. Exactly. Uh, you know, Bama kids are game ready, especially with 500 yards and 5.5 per, per carry. 100% game ready. So I, I think that would be a massive get, especially too. Earl Little, if you get him too, defensive backs would be putting on the show. I, I'm excited for that. <laughs> you will. You know Louisville wants to get an ACC crown, another one before Miami does. You you know that. You know Louisville wants to get a crown before uh before Miami does, or at least before uh. I mean, they may be able. If Florida State leaves the ACC and Clemson does too, Louisville will dominate the ACC. I mean, that, they will, if, if Florida State, Clemson leave the ACC, you Louisville's going to get all the ACC crowns easily, easily, easily. Who did they get for a quarterback? I mean, is Plumlee back? Is he coming back for Louisville? Does he sell eligibility? Are they still looking? I'm trying to look up. Or what? Uh, is I'm sorry, Plumber. Is Plumber coming back next year for Louisville? Does he does he have any any eligibility left? Because you're right. I don't know. I don't know who uh, who's going to be the quarterback next year. That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I'm just interested in because I I mean I'm we're more likely to meet Louisville in the ACC championship. Like you said, we don't play them in the regular season, but I think of any of the teams in the ACC, they're the ones I would think that we're most likely to meet them in the ACC championship out of any because I think I, like I said, it's them and Clemson I'm most worried about. Right? I I, I don't. If we play the way we need to play, that's who I kind of fear the most. I mean, obviously, we have to play at Notre Dame, you know, but, at you know, play at Notre Dame, Clemson, at Miami, stuff like that. But let's be honest. I mean, in the, you know, in terms of coaching ability and talent, I think those combination of coaching ability and the ability to coach your talent I think it's I think it's Louisville, you know, it's us Louisville, and then Clemson, right? Miami has a ton of talent, but they just aren't coached well enough, right? I think we can all agree to that Miami has a crap ton of talent on that team. They just aren't coached well. Can you imagine if Florida State had some of that talent they have in the trenches on Florida State's? It's like if we had some, like some of that, some of those guys on. Some of those edge players they have, some of the, those O-line players they have on Miami, on this team, I think it would be unbelievable. Because I, I do believe that this Florida State staff can really coach up guys extremely well. Extremely well. And, and I think that's the part that's holding Miami back. But, yeah. I tend to agree that Hakeem has to have a breakout in the year next year. Put his name on the map. Then have a big mo- yeah. I I'm waiting for you know him. He he definitely. I need to see something for him. Say you know, and I put I put him and Dustin Hill. I mean, those Hakeem was the five star guy, but Dustin Hill was also highly recruited. He those two need to need to show something. I mean, God, how long did we wait for Dustin Hill to show up? How long did this staff stay committed to Dustin Hill? Right. They, those two need, this is their, you know, they're going to have an opportunity. There's no doubt in my mind, those guys will have an opportunity to make big plays next year, right? And they need to make big plays if this team wants to succeed. 
they have to be prepared, developed and prepared to, to, to step up next year. Right. There's no excuses. There's, there's zero excuse. I mean, they even got playing time this year. I mean, that's the hill on the play, the, on the field a lot this year. In my eyes compared, like for how late he got in, you know, got into the program. He got on the field a lot this year. I was a little disappointed that Hakeem got, didn't get as much snaps on the field this year for, for how, as highly recruited as he was. So, so I, I hope to see him on the field a lot more this season. I, 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 or I really do. Yeah. Agreed. 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 So, yeah, I mean, that's it. And then Florida State is also bringing in, as the article states, um, the, the linebacker, um, from, uh, well, we talked about Grady Kelly, um, Stephon Thompson from Syracuse. I, I'm not, I'm not big on this, this kid as much. Once again, I'm not going to turn down any linebacker that wants to come to Florida State. Uh, I mean, he's got decent numbers, but 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, 169 tackles overall, four, 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 four fumbles in 36 career games. So he's, he has a lot of experience. Um, and as the article says, he played more of the edge role at Syracuse. I, I it would be interesting, like how he's actually utilized at Florida State. Once again, I don't think this is like a game-changing linebacker for Florida State. Is this more is this more like a DJ Lundy replacement for Florida State? Maybe. This, this isn't a uh you know, I I yeah, I you know, once again. I, I would I th you need more bodies in the linebacking room. You need game ready. This is a game ready linebacking body. He he's playing the ACC a lot. He's made plays. This is what you need because you don't have game game ready bodies in the linebacking room. So I, there's not many guys you can turn down right now that are interested in Florida State. That's the issue at, in the linebacking core. This guy I do believe you have to get. Decay Hill Green from Charlotte. Once again, he started at Michigan. Florida State recruited him. He, they were in his recruiting battle two or three years ago, 6'2", 2'32". Um, had a big year at Charlotte this past season with two sacks, 73 tackles, all-conference honors. Um, thing is, he's currently committed, what, to UCF? Out of the portal? And who are you battling? Ernie Sims, who's currently a coach at UCF. So you're kind of battling your own blood for him. Um once again, this is a guy I think could be a really good player for you. Um, because he went to Michigan for a reason, you know, things don't always work out. Um, but I think this is a very talented guy. So definitely you need to land this kid in my eyes. I think you definitely have to get this kid, but getting both the guys would be a good start. Cause I think I think we all agree you have to get at least two or three bodies in the linebacker room. At least two or three bodies in the linebacker room, right? Minimal. Syracuse linebacker is a good run stuffer. A couple of years of eligibility gives him some runway. No, you're right. And I and Grillmaster, I think we all agree that I'd rather take, I prefer a guy that has multiple years of eligibility because that kind of fills some of that that gap for you. That gives you more, more runway to your point in terms of improvement, development, and runway to make sure that you can backfill that guy when he leaves versus a one-year loan where you're scrambling again to see who else do I have to bring in right after him. Um, so I, I think to your point, there is more upside there versus a one-year loan on a guy. You're, you're totally right. I, once again, ideal use case is both of them. Get get the con 
and, and get the kid from uh, Syracuse. Both of them have great experience. Both of them have pretty good upside um, and, and are game ready. And that gives then Blake Nicholson, that gives Justin Cryer, gives those guys and gives Omar Graham more time, the ability to rotate and also more time to develop into what they feel comfortable doing. Because I, in my eyes, those guys are not ready to start. Not one of those guys ready to start for Florida State. Now, we may disagree on that. Things may change in the offseason, but Blake Nicholson needs to build up his body. He needs to get a lot bigger. Frankly, Blake Nicholson needs to get a lot bigger. But, I mean, that's just a product of him playing, being a true freshman. And, and once again, he wasn't a true linebacker in high school either. He was playing running back and, and you know, he was playing multiple positions in high school. So, you know, he's he's just got to develop himself into a true linebacker. And I think in a year or two, he can be a really, really good player. Really good player. Reminds you of Bethune. I mean, if we get a guy like Bethune, if that Syracuse kid is like Bethune, sign me up right now. Give him the NIL deal, sign me up. Because Bethune's, Bethune's one of the, I mean, that that combination of Bethune and Deloach was something, was a great combination. But you know what makes, what made Bethune and, uh, Tane Bethune and Deloach so good? Was the play of the defensive line. I mean, the linebackers can only play as, as good as defensive line plays, and the defensive backs only play as, as good as the defensive line and linebackers play because, you know, it, 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 they all, you know, it's a symbiotic a symbiotic relationship, right? So that's why, you know, you got to, yeah, we got to take care of the defensive line and who we bring in there. Got to take care of the linebackers who we bring in there because, as we saw against Georgia, if the defensive line breaks down, Linebacker's job gets a lot harder, and they got to cover more field. And they got to figure out which gap is they got to fill, or where the running back's going, and, and it just breaks down from there. But if this kid is like Tatum Bethune, sign me up right away. Sign me up right away. Yeah, the Q's linebacks are actually pretty good. One of the high points on that team. Yeah, uh, you're you're totally right there. Uh, I I would sign me. Up. Give me both these kids if they're interested. Get the get the battles end involved. Let's sign me up because we we need talented bodies. We got we need we just need guys who can consistently do their job, just like Tane Bethune and Kalen Blochit. Get guys who are willing to hit, can see the hole, fill it, and can cover in space consistently. I mean, if they if they make some mistakes, that's fine. But we need some guys that can consistently fill the hole, attack the ball, cover in space, and and, and I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. So, guys, we've covered a lot. I think it's good that Florida State's finally getting guys to visit. And these these are pretty talented kids. I think if we sign Earl, you know, if we get a commitment this weekend from Earl Little Jr., that would be a positive sign. I think that may roller coaster ourselves into signing the kid from Alabama, the running back. That may be a package deal. I think we have a decent shot at the kid from Oregon State. We talked about defensive end. I just think that distance thing may be hard to sell. I, I just, it's going to be hard for a California kid to make that cross. I mean, DJ's doing it, but um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I'm going to be tired, but I think we may get a couple pops this weekend. So be looking out for that. Get excited for that. I think maybe a fun weekend for transfer for filling in some of these gaps. Um, so yeah, get excited for that. It may be a, a fun weekend, but I'm going to close out there. Really good discussion, guys. I appreciate y'all coming by. Um, and, and on the bright side, as, as this comment says here, 
UM's still trying to find their, their identity. They're trying to find their quarterback. Luckily, we don't have to – so, Pete, great comment. We don't have to figure out who our quarterback is. We got DJ, who by all accounts is a great guy, a true leader. It's great when you can go from Jordan Travis right over DJ. I mean, talk about a continuity between a program. We're lucky to be able to do that. I mean, DJ, from all interviews, true leader. He picked Florida State for the right reason. Um, he's and, – and it's great for a guy like Brock and Luke to be able to learn from a guy like that who's been in big scenarios, big situations. Those guys will be able to learn immensely from a guy like DJ. So uh, this is this is a great scenario for Florida State. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do for Florida State. Um, and I, I just hope we, we can bring a couple of receivers, a veteran receivers around him and give him – and once again, I hope they're saying, DJ, who do you like in the portal? Who would you like to throw to? Who, you know, who looks attractive to you in terms of who who can who do you think you make big plays with? So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, thank you all for coming by on your Friday. I hope you guys have a great Western weekend. Thank you, Pete, once again for the super chat. But I appreciate you all for coming by. Have a great Friday. Have a great Western weekend. Hopefully, we'll get some portal pops this weekend. And uh, next week we'll we'll uh, do another special show. Talk about what's what's new, what's trending. And uh, yeah, stay safe this weekend. Enjoy it. Stay out of trouble. And we'll see you soon. And hopefully the old man will be by next time. I'll, I'll try to wrangle him and we'll see where he is. But uh, have a good one, guys. Take care. Go Knowles. See you soon.